we are not filming in front of a live audience. In fact, it's just us two tonight. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, but, 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 um, welcome to Crankshaft. And uh, we are talking about Ichi the Killer tonight. Yeah! So excited! Actually, uh, I, I've, I've been talking to him for, what, months? No, like a few weeks now. Um, we've almost hit like the one month mark about constantly <laughs> bugging you about like watching or going over this, and and now that we've sort of put it into the podcast, uh, it's uh it's gonna be official. It wasn't even just bugging me to watch this. It was just you got to read this. Please read this. Just no warning on what exactly is in for it, except the title. And yeah, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> great transition um so i do want to go ahead and uh, just give a heads up on this episode um we will sort of cover all sorts of topics um and you could say triggering phases um but um that would be such things as like um well, if you aren't really comfortable with these topics that we're really going to be talking about, um, skip to the next episode. Uh, we are reviewing a, another fantastic uh, film, actually. It's going to be uh, Exists. Just giving a heads up for that one. Um, so if, uh, if this isn't something that's your taste, uh, just skip it and enjoy, enjoy the fun of Exists. But to people who are staying with us, uh, we will be talking about uh, themes of extreme violence, sadism, masochism, rape, abuse, gore, necrophilia, drugs, and sex. Though, like, in general, I think sex is included if you mention necrophilia. <laughs> As always, a great way to start off the first episode, just right out of the gate. <laughs> So, let's just go. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Uh, now, this is just us reviewing both the manga and the anime. Um, as we are getting... Oh, the little... movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're, we're, we're giving a taste of it. And, and hoping that this intrigues you enough to read or watch uh, the film. Sorry, I said anime because I'm so used to it. But it is an actual live-action film. I don't believe they yeah. actually had a had an anime for it. That'd be pro- probably uh, to some people they'd be more excited for that than than the film. There was a limited anime that was released for it, but I think there was only like one episode. <laughs> oh, well, uh, better than most other things. At least they had episode one, and then everyone's just like, "No, I'd rather watch insert other horror anime here." Well, I, I believe it was one of those where it was just one episode, but it sort of covers the entirety. Oh, so it was like a... It OVA was quite type. A movie. Oh, uh, OVA, yeah, yeah. So they didn't quite yeah. cover it as a movie, but they, they put enough effort into it to be considered like an episode. It, well, the, yeah, there's enough there to, if people are interested, to either go watch the live-action movie or personal opinion read the manga first yeah because we will be comparing the two yeah absolutely um just going into a little background on the uh, author here 
Um, this was written by a uh, mangaka, um, Hideo Yamamoto. Um, he was born June 23rd, 1968. Uh, so he's about, what, he's like 50-something at this point. Um, but he was came out from a small rural area um, in, in Japan. And realistically, I couldn't find a super huge amount on him um, other than the, the stories that he's written tend to be this sort of theme that includes all, all, all these different topics that we were sort of mentioning earlier um, with Ichi the Killer, Homunculus, and a few other of, of his other works. But those are the two of the really big ones that um, were, were popular in a lot of media. Um, but he, uh, uh, one thing I actually did find interesting about him, um, I know this is sort of deriving a little bit away from Ichi the Killer, but before he created Homunculus, uh, he, he lived as, uh, so the writer, Hideo, actually lived as a homeless person for some time in order to be able to credibly include the theme of homelessness in his work. Um, <laughs> I definitely found that really interesting and, and kind of out there. Um, so in the same sense, you know, I, I wonder, maybe he might not have mentioned it, but maybe he had spent some time with some gangsters. Uh, this is like personal hopes, but you know, maybe maybe he spent some time like talking or interviewing gangsters to sort of understand that sort of theme. Well, if anything, it shows that he's willing to put in the commitment to add authenticity to what he's writing about, what's being drawn about, especially for Humunculus. That's that'll be another one that we will cover later on. Like, just to be homeless, just to see that experience, what goes on, and add those, yeah. Itchy is written out and everything would make one believe, all right, this person has either been involved with Yakuza-type organizations, or he at least knows people and has interviewed them on what's going on. Considering the information that you get. Um, one thing I will say, though... Um when you see the uh, the drawings sort of come to life, especially during the fights, um, he so one thing I actually did find about him is he was extremely interested in martial arts, and uh, so like when when you take a look, it gives you a different perspective when you look at the different panels and showing that um, like the axe kick or uh, any of the other kicks. That Ichi does during this series um, definitely probably sort of thinks about how he does it himself and, and applies it and so real world is sort of experience there as well yeah big emphasis on kickboxing as well too as was said you know how Ichi fights and kills people to even whenever they show scenes once we get into it more of like ham or dojo settings where people are practicing it's mostly like kickboxing. Even you have other characters from time to time will make reference. Oh, you're into that style of fighting. Oh, I recognize that because you know, a few other people also practice kickboxing too. So it's like, oh, I recognize that. But uh, so there was 
that that was mainly what I could find about him. Um, the director, I also couldn't find much about his background. Um, I, I found a lot more interesting details about the film, though, when I was sort of going over his sort of past. Um, so the director's name is Takahashi, or sorry, sorry, Takashi Miike. Um, so he he achieved a lot of his notoriety for depicting shocking scenes of extreme violence, sexual perversions. Fits very well into Ichi. Um, many of his films do contain that graphic and lurid bloodshed, uh, often portrayed in over-the-top or cartoonish sort of feel. Um, definitely giving props to the uh, well prop team. Uh, they they absolutely did a phenomenal job. Oh, yeah, respecting not only the design, like the main design for Itchy and his, I guess that would be his, like fighting, killing outfit or whatnot. Pure office authenticity to the manga and its design, as well as the costume department for how it has other characters pop out. Biggest one, especially for the movie, is the person they have playing Kakihara. Just for his outfits alone, it makes him stick out in a crowd. Yeah, and then I, draws I, your attention to him. I definitely, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the biggest things about the, since you're mentioning it, um, the, the, the choice to give him blonde hair. Um, well, mainly because uh, in, in like Japanese culture, having like blonde hair um, is almost like that r- rebel sort of... Um, street punk look and so because he was like gangster definitely giving him the blonde hair uh especially in in that sort of region would make him stand out like when we think of blonde hair here you know it's not as bad you know okay well that dude's just from like europe or you know he has european sort of descendants or you know just living somewhere on the coast or you know we we at least for the west has those certain stereotypes of blonde hair all right they're surfers skaters those types of people whereas japan as you mentioned blonde hair is more of that rebellious style you're in that sort of phase of rebelling against everyone you're the punk you need everyone needs to look out for you yeah yes i gosh i i i wish i could hear um you know, you know, someone who, who would speak like broken broken English, but also trying to portray that that kind of gangster vibe. Oh, I'm pretty sure we can look some of that up later. <laughs> we will find it. But uh, so so other things I had sort of thought that was really interesting about the film is um, during the uh, film festival that they were supposed to show the movie in in, in Canada. Um, they gave the audience like barf bags as sort of like a gimmick. Honestly, uh, personal opinion, no, I, I don't think I would have needed it at, at like any age in my life, <laughs> unless I was you know extremely young. But even still, like I, I, I enjoyed movies like that. Um, but they really cut them off on like what film, like how much of the film could stay on mainstream uh, movies, like the, the in theaters especially. Um, I read that, let's see here. 
for the UK, uh, they cut off three minutes and 15 seconds. Um, in Hong Kong, basically 17 minutes. Uh, and the movie was also banned in Norway, Malaysia, and Germany. And well, to give this movie a bit more context, this, like, when it, if you ever decide to go watch the film, it has that somewhat of a film aesthetic to, I would say, probably a live-action movie being done in, like, the late 80s or so. Or at least film-wise, it sort of has that feel to it. But the film did come out in, like, 2001. Yeah, yeah, it was 2001. Around September or so. But it still, it has that feel and aesthetic to something of, like, late 80s, early 90s feel to it. Because of how it was filmed, how all the settings look and whatnot. But this is essentially a relatively recent film to come out. And even for the manga, it's been... It started in 1998 and ended in, like, April 2001. Yeah. The mean, film honestly, coming out several months later. The film was, what, September and November that year? When yes. It was, over. it was September for, like, the world, like, everywhere else in Japan, it was December. Yeah, yeah September for the film festival. So, I mean, realistically thinking about that. Um, probably explains why the, the film was sort of made in, in its own sense. Um, I, I wonder if production ended before um, the actual manga ended. Personally, I would probably say yes, because especially when filming, majority of the time isn't necessarily going to be spent on like just filming the shots in of itself. Majority of it is going to go down into editing to make sure everything, you know, is sort of coherent because it's not all... Not everything is done in order. How they do certain scenes, how everything looks and whatnot. But it's still trying to rearrange, make sure it's all cohesive enough. There, You can have some issues doing stuff like that because... Especially if you're doing a film on a manga, a novel, or whatnot, that's still ongoing by the time you're working on it, then certain points you're sort of having to wing it. Like, a big comparison is the ending to the movie to the ending to the manga is, are, is two different things. It is vastly different to what the endings are, so they probably filmed that way before they knew what the ending to the manga was ever going to be. Yeah, I, I know something similar to that happened with um, the Uzumaki life film. Um, I'll definitely talk about Uzumaki in the future, um, but I, I personally just want to go over the manga in that one, honestly. <laughs> um, the reason I'm going over both, and especially Ichi the Killer, for instance, is because it did have sort of a cult following, um, especially just because how how much notoriety the uh, the director had. Um, but uh, you were mentioning how it had that sort of uh, 80s and 90s feel. It did. It was recorded using like a 16 millimeter film. Uh, we ended up watching it sort of. I, I guess you would call it remastered, but it's basically like them sort of 
fixing the the images to be in a higher quality like 4k it was just lucky enough we was able to find basically an uncut version of it we we wanted to watch it, you know, uncut without anything tampered with, just so we could enjoy the film as as it, the director wanted it to be. All right. So, uh, question to you: uh, You want to review the uh, the manga first? I'm guessing. Give the the audience a little tidbit of what we're talking about. I guess if you don't mind, like I said, we're going to do a comparison for both, but yeah, let's start with the manga first, since that was first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, we effectively had started out sort of introducing the characters one by one. Um, you'll see uh, some sort of guy um, who, who you end up learning later on is the leader of a gang, and he is in the middle of uh, uh, Coitus. <laughs> and uh, he begins to hear sounds, turns around, and, and basically is confronted with a uh, Ichi, who uh, cuts him up. Uh, so Ichi is, is in a simple term, is, is almost like a... Um, he is a serial killer who's being driven by... Um, I, I guess you would have to say by the the guidance of Gigi, who is a grandfatherly like character. I, I think Gigi actually stands for like old man. Old geezer. Oh, old geezer. Okay. I believe. Yeah. Um, who sort of guides uh, Ichi's hand throughout the the entire film, and um, so he kills him with a. Uh, a device that's almost at the bottom of his shoe and you notice that it's basically made of like steel um, but at the, at the back end there's almost like an axe head and I think the design on it's a really just uh, unique and and really ingenious in a sense because I, I don't think I've ever seen or read another book or movie that has introduced some sort of foot weapon that's as deadly or as intimidating as that is well in all honesty it's it's great design because later on when you learn that itchy is not necessarily you know what you expect of oh he's a black belt in kickboxing karate and all that stuff he's still like what was it a yellow belt with a one on it i believe so um, it's basically like Ichi Japanese means one, so like his outfit just has a one on it. His like belt has a one on it too. That's basically his calling card in a sense. But takes full advantage of. All right, this is a guy who has a background in kickboxing, yeah. and we're not just going to give him a weapon. He's going to swing his hands around. He's good with his feet. So let's take advantage of this and build a deadly weapon around something like this. So they give him a blade that pops out of his left boot, his dominant foot when fighting. And uh, I think after that was immediately when uh, he he uh, he gets off on this man. 
Like I, I definitely that was one of the things that sort of threw me off when I when I first sort of uh, experienced Ichi the Killer was the fact that like uh, th this guy legitimately just gets off from from killing people or the suffering of others. It falls into like, later on in the story. To basically be blunt, this is sort of a story that doesn't really have a good character in it, so yeah, no, <laughs> you really shouldn't go into it just trying to root for any of these characters because they're all... In the kindest way to put it, it's disgusting characters and in a, in a disgusting environment because it's not, it's not trying to hide anything. It... He gets off, as was stated, he gets off full-on just killing people. Sadism. It's basically what he has, but for his mindset, it's being manipulated as he's doing the right thing. He's fighting the bullies that he couldn't fight when he was getting picked on and abused in high school and middle school and all that stuff. But it's still just... It's just every character is just disgusting in their own way. Yeah. Um, we, we can talk about them sort of <laughs> a little bit here. Since uh, we, we just mentioned the, the death of the, uh, um, the Yakuza boss. Um, so after after the, the death, we're introduced with um, four characters. Um, one of them being uh, Jisan, and then we had uh, what was it, Inoue, uh, who was the heroin yes. addict, and then Gosh. there is Noburu, who's mostly good with firearms. Yeah, and well, the only one that I really like, extremely liked was. Was Inoue, so. Um, well, yeah, he's he's the more sporadic of the group, considering they also play on the fact that he is a heroin addict. It's they don't play it as a joke. It is a legitimate character trait. Yeah, the last one was um the that Chinese uh, member uh the gigolo uh, Long. I thought it was funny because yeah, Long penis. <laughs> Oh yeah, and like for all these characters, it's not just what's really interesting is they each have a specific trait that is built into their character. It's none of this is ever played as a joke of oh, you know, he's the drug addict guy, this is a guy who's full on gigolo just trying to please women. It's built into their characters to the point where even story wise it still makes sense of what they do and how they interact with people. And later on, how they get caught. I would call Long more more than a gigolo. I think he was more of a pimp. Or is that the same thing? I don't know. There, there's a difference. A pimp is one who will have many prostitutes go out, collect money and whatnot. A gigolo is the one that will essentially be paid to... Yeah, I mean, he was technically... Like, either comfort men or women or whatnot. I mean, I guess he was technically both, but he was more represented as a pimp in, 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 the, uh, in the manga than anything. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. 
And so uh, they they basically come into this. Uh, um, they they all dress up, and uh, under under Gigi's sort of instructions, um, they they go into the apartment that this uh, yakuza leader's um, room is, and they basically clean it all down. But like when they first walk in there, they realize that the, the shit is covered in blood. It is a mess. Um, and they clean it out, steal the money from the safe, um, that's part of the Yakuza's money, and they get out of there, um, leaving basically no trace behind as far as they know until, uh, excuse me, <laughs> I tried not to cough, um, until You're they good. basically, uh, uh, Leave, leave a what? It was a number one that the the boss had left, which was the the back of Ichi. Oh, that it's sort of mysterious in a way because it's not really known or said if it was the boss who could have written that down or Jisan okay. and his group or Jisan just sort of doing his manipulation stuff of leaving a clue, thus leading to the events that happened. That's fair. It, it's sort of implied in a sense that it might have been in front of the boss, but for essentially what G-San and his group does is Ichi does his thing, murders someone. They go in later as a cleaning crew to clean up what happened, to make it look like nothing happened. So if they were doing something like they definitely wouldn't miss the blood stain like that, especially underneath the bed. So it might have been something left as a little calling card or whatnot. Or just make people question, you know, even more what, what might have happened. Uh, I, yeah. I honestly wish he went a little little more into that, but I, I, I definitely get why leaving it sort of open, especially at the beginning of a series, uh, can, can almost like pull, pull you in as a reader. Be like, why did that happen? And it's almost a, like a red herring. <laughs> yeah, in a sense. I, I just um, I, I just imagine because uh, like the next scene was basically uh, the, the the yakuza group um, goes in to sort of investigate the room and uh, I, I just imagine it like a real circumstantial um, situation you, you you're pretending you're a yakuza right now you walk in your boss you know has been missing. The room looks way too clean. Like I, I, maybe maybe the dude was a clean freak, but I, I you would think at least the cleaning supplies that you smell that that are permeating the air would would uh <laughs> lead you on and be like, well maybe someone was here. Yeah, it's, it's just to the point of the crime scene is, like, if you've ever smelled bleach or Clorox, any of that stuff used to heavily clean stuff, it is an overpowering smell. So the minute you hear something like that, or just smell something like that, especially coming from a hotel room where the head of your Yakuza family was just at, okay, something's wrong here. I mean, even, even, even the smell of blood, man, like that stuff, 
it 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 smells. Not not a it, not a, it, like it has a unique smell, like you know iron. Yeah, it's a distinct iron smell to it, but it's just like if you're smelling a hint of that, but it's mostly bleach and Clorox and all these cleaning supply stuff. And it's like our family head was here with a girl, and now they're missing, and it's too. Cl- it smells too clean in here. Something's up. <laughs> Licks the ground. Hint of lemon. Oh, well, I mean, Kakihara, the boss, looking for the family head, just sees that blood stain, gets some on his finger, and then just licks it. And it's like, yep, that's the boss's blood. Well, first something all, happened here. It's like, oh, okay, how do you know? <laughs> yeah, that was definitely something that, that stood out to me. It's like, all right, first of all, why are we licking blood here? Um, second of all, how do you immediately I, know that that's his blood? But again, it's stuff that's set up, and then later on, it's it will get explained. But I sort of like stuff like that where they're not going into it. Just be like, you know, the standard thing would just go look at the blood and just be like, you know, smell it. Hmm, I think this might be his blood or what? No, he falls on, just eats it. Yeah, and it's just, like, yep, that's the boss. Like <laughs> even later on, in one in a later scene, they find a gold tooth, and the man just shoves it like right up his nose just to smell it and it's just like yeah that's the boss's tooth it's like okay i'm down with this yeah it's full on just i'm not expecting this as a detective but hey it's unethical but it works <laughs> uh, i guess i guess other things that really stood out to me um scene wise was um when when they're taking the bodies of the mistress and, and the and the leader in, in the van and they're like burying it out there um one of the guys is like hey uh it's still warm do you mind if i and both of these guys are like yeah sure well why not um it shows how depraved um or desensitized they've become to each other because at this point they're they're just guys working together um they're not going to interfere with each other sort of work or um feeling i guess is the better phrase hobbies yeah yes (laughs) and uh so even if the body is still warm um he 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 goes after it because apparently that's a uh a desire of his and uh we've taken it to the deep end boys necrophilia is uh officially on the board and it's also one of those things like it throws you for another twist as well because usually for genres like this since you know the boss well the head of the family and the girl that he was with were both killed and now they're being buried you would think all right this this heroin addict wants to do this first assumption is all right it's going to be the girl but it might have been implied that he did the girl first and then went to the guy. No, so actually, they, they, I'm they not. Were, yeah, and it, it it's phrased in a very particular manner um, at, at in the beginning when he's talking about it, but when they when they reminisce about it later on, um, he actually does mention that it was in fact it wasn't the girl it was it was the guy it was the, it was okay. the boss. 
um, that he, that he wanted to just straight up like fuck, and um, that that really mm-hmm. stood out as as a uh, as an interesting detail. Like he was not after the girl at all. He, he... Well, how later on, whenever he gets captured, he ex- he explains it because he tells the entire Yakuza clan, "Yes, I essentially fucked your boss, fucked your." father figure whatever you want not for the essentially the pleasure of it but to just god how did he describe it was to essentially what it would feel like to be on equal terms yeah and he he uh wanted um he he wanted it as almost like a revenge um for for what had happened to him um because he was a former member of that same gang and then like just as he's about to die, he just says, you know, just do the same thing that I did to your, to your boss. It's the only the right thing. He wasn't just like, you know, trying to do it to gloat about it, but it's just like, treat me the same way that I treated the dead. Yeah. Well, like, he, he almost got a thrill out of it as well. Like, you could really tell, like, he was just, he was excited about it. It was still a great scene, because it's just like, alright, we'll do that, kills him, and then Akihara just looks to a random guy, and is like, alright, you do it. What? Uh, he, he <laughs> We're not actually, breaking he, this man's wish, do it. Yeah, he did it to his right-hand man, um, which just made the scene even funnier. He's just like, well, I'm not going to do it. Uh, and he just looks to his like, bud, his right-hand man, is just like, you do him. And so, as as the guy is like literally drags this dead corpse back into like this back room, he's like vomiting while he's just fucking this 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 guy. Um, and he's just, I mean, in general, after that point, you could see that his, his right hand man's character was just he was done. Like he's he's gonna follow. Um, Kakihara along, but he was, you could tell, like, his mentality was just done. His emotional stability was out. Mentally, he is just gone. Yeah. I I think one of the big things that, um, really, really stood out to me in in this, in this series, um, was how he was influenced in the first place and I do want to talk about that um one one of the one of the big things is Ichi has this sort of um emotional and psychological disturbance that he had throughout uh when he was when he was in high school um he he is almost influenced into hunting these people or killing these people uh, because he, it, it almost like a, a trigger to his past where Gigi literally tells a, a story um, which isn't all a hundred percent true but he adds on to the little truth um, that had happened and sort of just fabricates a little bit more to be a little more psychologically um, torturous and um, adds the the face to that to that character he's supposed to kill. So um, 
it's it's like a revenge story for Ichi the entire time. And in general, I, I almost did want to mention that one of the big things is Ichi almost reminds me of like a child um, in an adult's body where he can't quite discern between reality and fiction. And even for all that goes a step further because whenever Ichi is about to either go on a murderous rampage or murderous target, he just reverts back to that child mentality and just starts crying. Yeah. It's honestly his whole thing, like going to murder someone, he's crying the entire time. Yet still getting off on it and even how the manipulation works, little hints is given out that, you know, Gigi did his homework, did his research on this kid. Even a few hints that he that Itchy was a politician's son, so that probably is what made this information gathering a little bit easier since it's a public figure. But it's going back into, hey, don't you remember when this event happened, when you were getting bullied? Do you remember what that bully looked like, how they act? And fits in his target's personality over the bully that got him. So it's fitting specific traits that the person has to this is how your bully acted towards you. This is what they did to you and whatnot. So whenever he finally confronts them, they're doing essentially the same thing as what Itchy is now remembering the bully did to him back then. And thus that gets him. It's like, all right, I need to finally confront and kill this person who was bullying me and is now bullying other people. That is that is essentially his main goal is full on revenge, you know, going after those who wronged me. But it's it's sort of justified in a sense, but also he's being manipulated to do this at the same time. I can't control it. That's what I'm thinking the entire time. Um. But it's, you can sort of see, it's sort of like that childhood thing of, I'm finally going to get him. To the point where he does it, and then there's, has that satisfaction while, you know, being sprayed with blood, but he's just like, I did it. Finally, you know, this is one down out of, you know, 10, 12, how many he kills at this, at the end of all of it, but it's just like, Mentally, it's just checking off a box, and it's just like, ah, oh, finally, I can wipe that clean onto the next one, onto the next one type deal. Yeah, um, I always felt like uh, um, it, it was interesting how um, Gigi knew about Ichi's past, so it always makes me think, like, maybe he was part of his past since the beginning, um, or at least ever since, like, the... Uh, that that incident that happened to Ichi happened. You know, maybe maybe it was there after that point, and maybe maybe Ichi told him, or maybe even better, he 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 had just watched the entire time, being like, all right, well this is this is what's gonna cause him to go crazy and can be an awesome killer from there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna implement my plan starting now. Well, I'm personally I have a theory that's something we can talk about later on towards the end. 
more appropriate, but there's a few ideas that I have on how all this can work together. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, in, in general, I, I feel like the story, um, stuff like sort of, uh, wedding appetite around that point is a good, good, good sort of point to sort of push you in the right direction. Uh, like, cause effectively at this point, um, Kakihara, that that sadist that we were sort of mentioning, is is this extreme person who constantly hunts down um, Gigi and Ichi and, and basically the group. Um, he's trying to get revenge while also realizing that he is now a target for for Ichi. And so it's like almost like a cat and mouse that. Um, Gigi sets up between um, this Yakuza gang and um, yeah, even even uh, some of the other Yakuza gangs um, that are part of this massive building um, in in the center of Tokyo. I think it was supposed to be like the biggest build uh, apartment building in Tokyo. Yes, as what everyone described, it was. Where is the location? What was what was the name of the city that it was supposed to be in? Well, it's in Tokyo. Or you mean district? Uh, the district. Oh, Shinjuku. Yeah, that was the name of the district and all that. And this was supposed to be the tallest building. It's essentially an apartment complex, but it is the tallest building in all of Shinjuku. That has all of these Yakuza branch families living in it. All having their own ways of doing income, interacting with each other, but also, you know, we're not going to step on what is essentially your property, aka like your businesses that you're running. We have our businesses that we're running. We respect these boundaries. Any issues that happen, even to the point where. It's made mention that cops won't even show up there, even though they know this is where all the crime, like, lords are. But it's also to a respectable point of no guns are to be fired off in the building or there's just going to be full-on war. Yeah. So it's sort of a neutral ground that is that has been chipped away throughout the entire story. And I, I definitely appreciate the fact that... Uh... That this didn't turn out to be some sort of like massive battle royale. Um, it it was Ichi versus Kakihara in a sense. Um, yeah, he had all these side characters, but realistically, the the big sort of end goal was to get these two to face off. Uh, you know, a masochist versus a, a sadist. A sadist. <laughs> in, in their extremes. And. Uh, I, I think one of the other things that I failed to mention about Kakihara is um, the few things that really stood out about his character is the piercings and the deep gashes in his cheeks that are only being held together by by two piercings on either, either side of the mouth. And I guess if people don't want to look this up or whatnot... Sort of the best visualization for these gashes, gashes along the lips is essentially Joker scars, but all the way through. 
that is the best visualization visualization for something like this. Yeah. Um, well, they already know the Joker we're mentioning, so I don't have to. <laughs> oh yeah, but that shows just like if you want to put a picture of something, it's like how the Joker sort of does his lips, like giant red lips, and then long streaks on the side of it to make it like exaggerated a bit more. Just replace those with actual you no. Know, the lips are expanded that way. I wonder if uh, they 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 got that sort of inspiration for Joker from Ichi the Killer. It's a possibility, especially for a design like that. There is honestly a lot of things that you could. Simple comparison is probably extreme versions of one side being a joker because loves pain and all that much other side being and this is obviously going off on a tangent but in a in a sort of way you can make the argument that itchy is sort of inspired by going off of recent comics of sort of captain america in the ideology but more extreme versions of it of you know, simple. I don't like bullies. I don't care where they come from. Line that people sort of associate with the main Captain America character. But what happens if someone takes that mentality to an extreme of, I don't want to stop them. I want to make sure I stop them by any means necessary. Hot takes by a caveman. Um. Well, it, <laughs> it's little comparisons like that, but it's also somewhat of same ideologies going to that extreme because you, you can see where he's coming from and I know I said earlier this is a comic where you can't really root for a good guy but this is a person who had a good motivation to finally get back at his bullies and the people who abused him, abused the people who tried defending him and even at one point abuse a girl that tried to defend him and then rape her in front of him he did something to sort of fight back but it just went too far because <laughs> not bit, only was you know, being manipulated you know. by outside forces <laughs> and he's now trying to jump through hoops and justify the actions that he does now even to other random people yeah you know these these bullies went too far you know, I remember, like, you know, when bullying was like, you know, hey, I'm gonna put your head in in, in a in a toilet, or I'm gonna I'm gonna write on your desk, or uh, or or something simple like that. You know, apparently in in Japan, it's it's gotta be like, hey, I'm bullying you by like raping this girl that you like in front of you, and then um, we're gonna beat you up, and then uh, yeah, <laughs> and throw stones at you, and don't you dare move while I try to kick you in the teeth. Yeah, good times, right? <laughs> <laughs> Was it the do like make a documentary out of it? When bullies go too far. It's... I mean, they already have a lot of urban legends and whatnot of just girls, like people, just getting bullied to the point where they're committing suicide and whatnot. So, yeah. and and by the way, that <laughs> is no joke. Yeah, stuff like that is not really a joke. One one way you can look at this is sort of a commentary on the mental instability of people that just straight up get bullied. 
like what, sort of what happens behind the scenes in a sense. Because irregardless if if it's not happening or if it is ha- if it is happening, just tell and talk to someone. Yeah, it's it's not really healthy to just let it sit there and not do anything about it. It's better to talk to someone about this. Yeah, yeah, like like uh, we'll, we'll just do a little on a serious here. note. Yeah, well, since we're already <laughs> on the subject, yeah, a little snippet here. If uh, I mean, just just. Just get help. If if you're being bullied, you see someone getting bullied. Just don't keep it to yourself. You you can actually like yeah, you you know you can talk to people. If you don't think that you can, you absolutely can. Even if you just want to be anonymous about it, as just in a sense, just get it off your chest. It's much better that way instead of just holding on to it. So back to and back to murder. <laughs> As one outlet that option you have, but <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, read, reading it is you know reading is an absolutely great outlet, and I I think that also applies to Ichi the killer here. Um, you know, like like you said, he, you know, he does stand up to his bullies, and I feel like that that is 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 a really cool thing. Um, you know, it almost makes you want to constantly back him up. But the the more like you you watch through this series or read through this series, you realize like, man, he's not good. But I get this, <laughs> and maybe not in the extreme that he he takes it. But you you start to sort of divide everything up, and you really get a better understanding of of who he is as a character and um at, at certain points you you can sympathize with him i think that's why um you you can appreciate the literature at, at the very least um where you really sympathize with with a killer which is not not always what you want but i i i think the author did a fantastic job at uh influencing you well, if anything, it's sort of, at least recently, you're getting that push for a quote-unquote sympathetic villain or a sympathetic killer in a way. And you do have a lot of cases where stuff like that happens and you can't sympathize with them because it's just either people at the end of their ropes or just finally just full-on snap and go. Yeah. But you still can have cases of people not extensively want to do stuff like that, but sort of as a, there's no other choice here when dealing with a problem. Again, going back to the topic at hand of just being bullied, no one's really doing anything about it. Time to, time for me to deal with it. Time for me to put on the gloves and handle it myself if no one else is going to do this. Granted, a lot of reactions half the time is just, you know, oh, you fought back, you did this, how dare you do something like this? When in all actuality, it's, I've been trying to tell you people about this and no one's been listening or helping me. So I finally did something about it. Um, Something that, uh, a topic I wanted to pull up here is talking about the, uh, the artist here and how he depicts 
um, gore. Because um, honestly, um, originally when we were looking at different topics for um, horror, um, technically body horror and um, like gore um, can be sort of uh, brought into the horror um, scene, which is why we're reviewing this in the first place. And so uh, Ichi the Killer has a lot, a lot of gore. Um, even uh, specifically since we're just mentioning the manga right now, is very heavy-handed in the brutality of the killings or the gore in different scenes. Um, they're just gonna review an early on one, so it's not uh, ruining too much. But like that, the Yakuza boss, uh, he gets his head smashed in with with just the axe um, leg that he uses. Um, he, he's depicted as, like, cutting people in half, um, like, split down the middle, or, um, or even Kakihara literally torturing, um, like, there are a few torture scenes in it that, that really stood out as, um, almost pushing you back and, and, and almost surprising you, which I, you know, I absolutely love being sort of gross down in a sense just because it's it's uh wanting i i guess it's the idea of just wanting to know what happens next because that was that was shocking uh i i didn't expect that well i definitely want to you know know what happens to this person now um so definitely i i guess one of the biggest scenes to me uh, the, the, I, honestly it's probably to a lot of people this dude being hung by a bunch of hooks um by yeah. kakihara Whoa. That is Zuki. Yeah. Um. It. I will give them credit though. The this not like a full on praise for what's going on, but like the torturers themselves are creative to what's happening. Because there's, I don't believe there's one torture scene that's basically used again. Like mention, we have a guy hanging from hooks. We have. Another guy that is essentially tied up to planks on a wall and just being essentially stabbed at until he gives information. Another guy is just strapped onto a chair and it's just like, hey, we're going to do this nice torture method for you. Yeah, like, yeah that's it's, definitely. It's never repeated. And I, I think that was sort of an ingenious sort of uh, way of doing it. But he's also doing it in a very shocking manner. Um, obviously trying to catch the reader's attention, but um, he, he definitely decides that each way he's going to do something like that, he's, he's going to make it unique and different. And uh, especially when it came to to that first one with the hooks, like I'm saying, like it, you wouldn't you wouldn't see that other than maybe like something like in Hellraisers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and either Hellraiser, like Hellboy or whatnot, like yeah. visually. It's just something you look at and just be like, no, 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 no. And it's and it's not just even hanging from the hooks, too. It's also afterwards mm, using boiling oil after cooking fish in it. Oh, shrimp. As a means of, oh, shrimp, sorry. Yeah. But it's still just like, you know, we know you have information, all this stuff. Because at this point of the story, you have Kakihara... And his group being somewhat fed information by Ji San, Ji San and his group, 
the ones who actually did the murders, but they're just like, hey, I overheard giving, they're essentially giving out enough information to put someone in the spotlight to where they can't really dispute some of the information that's being given out, but they can't confirm some as well without getting themselves in trouble. Like, Suzuki was accused of, hey, we have all these... This group is making, what was it, like adult home videos. Yeah. It's just essentially them recording people doing it in hotel rooms and then selling it on the black market to other people. Suzuki was basically hiring and important, like bringing in people from China to help them sort of undercut another Yakuza gang's territory for doing these home videos too. Are you implying that they would lie? It it's it's full on not really lying. It's it was giving out enough information to where you have the lies peppered in there, but the only way to collect the lie or to correct the lies is to spill the beans on what's happening to get push yourself further and further into trouble. Sorry, mishandling the truth is what I meant. <laughs> Essentially, that's what's happening. It's it's brilliant in a way because it's just. I'm not telling you everything, but the only way I can tell you everything is if he tells you everything. Because I'm just like, here's peppering it in just little by little here, here, here. Oh, you want to correct this? What about this do you want to correct? Oh, you were actually doing this, getting into, you know, this illegal territory what type deal. And that's just the little basics of like the story and the manga, sort of just what what um, little basics that we wanted to cover. Um, did you have any gripes? So, uh, gripes with what exactly? With the manga specifically. The, I wouldn't say there were necessary gripes. Like I said, it sort of it will sort of fall into an idea that I have. If this is what we're going to do for a cut, did you want to do this for a cutoff point? Just sort of give them the intro to the manga. Yeah, yeah. No, or did I, you want I, to cover everything, or just leave that for people if they want to get interested? Yeah, I wanted to leave that as sort of like something that we we give a little tidbit for them, whet their appetite, um, with little little bit of descriptions okay. here and there, and and hoping that you know with with this information. They can decide if they want to read into the manga or watch the movie, and we'll we'll sort of talk about the movie a little bit. Um, just gen generally. So we're just leaving them at a body on hooks, okay? Yeah, boy. Oh god. I mean, but because <laughs> we I just right had someone. Um, but to you, it will feel like two seconds. All right, guys, we are back. I appreciate your half a second wait here. And uh, so you were talking about your uh, your gripes, right? So uh, what what you got? As I was going on before, it's not really a gripe. It's overall for the manga, at least something that I believe is that this like later on, if people especially want to get into it, this is my personal theory, Especially when dealing with the ending, so there might be a bit of spoilers for people out there. But for me, it was just something I essentially was thinking about, especially 
especially with the last chapter, everything that was going on. Yeah. Uh, I... If you guys don't want to hear any spoilers, um, skip like two minutes and we'll uh, we'll get back on track starting now. Well, and even for some spoilers that I'm talking about, it none of them will really make any sense unless you have the context of like what's being read before. Yeah, that's fair. But no, sending for the ending. Ichi takes on Kakahara. Ichi kills Kakahara in a sense. You know, we have all this stuff going on. And by the ending of it all, it's like this giant apartment complex in Shinjuki is no longer like has Yakuza members in it. It's just a regular apartment building. G-San is still a part of the cleaning crew business in a way. Ichi, you know, he was living out in the outskirts, so like the rural areas. He is now living in the city, can have all of his desires met. So he, as far as what G-San sees, you know, or he's no longer an effective killer. He doesn't have those desires to drive him anymore because they all can be met within the city. Another character that you will meet later on, which is like the son of another character, is I'm not going to want to spoil who these ones are to an extent, but it's just like, hey, I find myself a new kid that I can slowly manipulate and turn into this killer that I need. I'm thinking that all of this is essentially just an imaginative story that G-San had. And essentially, what sort of brings this up is little hints dropped throughout, of especially talking about, you know, manipulating a person's memory, how you can do something like this, how Jisan is able to not only be the main mastermind behind everything and pulling the strings in the background, but also somehow getting into situations and then out of situations as well, like... I'm placing myself in the story and this is how I did it and then I escaped when no one knew that I was there or because his main goal was essentially to get control of this apartment complex yeah uh, so yeah you actually did that in like two minutes exactly I'm really proud of you um... oh <laughs> <laughs> but uh is that a point for me or yeah no uh so where points don't matter, you get three. I'll take it. Just don't tell me how many out of. Yep, uh, we're. It's a it's a total score. So uh, uh, just remember that you have three points, and if you forget, uh, well, that's that's on you. We total it at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. So far, you're winning. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure I'm going to like the prize. Uh, you might. No. But, None uh, of this is the starting point, no. <laughs> but I think, I think, um, one of, one of my biggest gripes with the, with the series, at least in, in the manga, was, um, it, it really has to be just, sort of the same as you it was a little bit of the ending that you sort of were covering um, but I, I guess I, I would also have to say that 
Um, there were points in, in, in the series which I, I felt was rushed or untalked about. Um, and, and, and that sort of threw me for a loop. Uh, especially when I had to deal with it with, with, with the gangs in general. Um, so maybe your theory could be correct there, or it might have been truth. Come out and sort of clarify some stuff because the ending is a bit left ambiguous. Yeah. I guess sort of for a good thing, so you can interpret it how you want to. But the manga's ending is ambiguous. The movie's ending can be seen as ambiguous as well because it that that has a different ending to what the manga has for obvious reasons because of when each one was released since they were months apart of being released and like i said with editing stuff they might have already filmed their own ending before the actual ending for the manga came out so yeah you there are some lines that are taken towards the end that are used in the movie but then after that it sort of goes off on its own which is fine for stuff like that if for their story they went into a different direction and then this story was going the way it was supposed to go but it's a it's still just ambiguous on how everything leaves off yeah definitely and i think for that because um, we are hitting on an hour and six minutes. Uh, oh, okay. to go to part two for the movie? That will be perfectly fine. All right. Well, we will see you guys for Ichi the Killer part two, movie boogaloo. Um, and we, I hate it. <laughs> they, uh, but we, we seriously appreciate everyone for dropping by listening uh, to our podcast. Uh, if you want to support us in any way, um, just go ahead and support us through uh, Ends Gaming. Uh, you can visit the website, the Facebook, the Instagram. Uh, the website would just be endsgaming.com. And uh, you, you can support us directly there. Um, you can join our Discord um, and, and talk with us anytime. You know, give us recommendations or anything you want to talk about. Uh, we, we'd be glad to take any feedback that you have. But, uh, hope you have a great uh, evening or morning. Depends on where you are in the world when we, when we post this, but uh, anything you'd like to say? Well, anything else? Hope you enjoyed it. I'll leave any recommendations that you have, any type of movies. Like was said for our introduction, when not looking specifically just for horror stuff, it can be anything within that category. Horror movies that you love, you think are campy, that you just straight up enjoy and find no fear, like Scare Factor in it. It's all great. Because, especially a ride. Whenever we get to part two, we'll be going over the movie. It The movie's a bit more watered down. But visually, it's still on par, so it'll be fun. All right, guys. Well, you have a fantastic and clear evening, and thank you for joining us with Crankshaft.